Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Over, over the past few weeks, we've been going through some series and messages on the teachings and the stories of Jesus. And we looked at the Beatitudes in March Those are the blessings that come from following a godly lifestyle. And last week, we looked at the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. I hope that we had the kids in here. I hope your kids had a good time. They got something out of service other than the five Ritz crackers and the two Swedish fish that we fed them. But I hope they got something out of that message. We talked about how Jesus, he can take a little that we have and he can make it a lot. He can multiply it. He can grow it. But we also talked about how Jesus can take a lot and he can make it little. And you might be thinking, why would we want Jesus to take a lot of things and make it little? Because sometimes we come in with a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of things that we're going through, anxiety, and we serve the Jesus who can make that little and he can make that small. And I don't say that to downplay the struggles that you're going through, but that he can help you walk through difficult times. He can heal your hurt today. And we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But we also know that Good Friday and those days leading up to the resurrection, they were painful for Jesus. They were painful for the followers, for Jesus' mother. But it was necessary to establish his legacy. Today's message is called a lasting legacy. That word legacy, it can kind of be a buzzword. You know, I'm not talking about TV shows or, or movies. I'm talking about legacy. Our culture thinks they know, they know what legacy is. Uh, and I found some quotes from famous artists and celebrities about legacy. Here, here's one from a Brazilian mixed martial artist, Vitor Belfort. He said, legacy is not what I did for myself. It's what I'm doing for the next generation. Right? It's good for us to pass something on to the next generation. Uh, artist Tina Turner, she said, My legacy is that I stayed on course from the beginning to the end because I believed in something inside of me. So, okay, perseverance, a legacy of determination. And then there was also a small indie artist named Taylor Swift. And she said this about, about legacy. She said, No matter what happens in life, be good to people. Uh, be good to people. It's a, being good to people is a wonderful legacy to leave behind. These are all nice things, right? Being good to people, persevering, leaving something for the next generation. These are all good things. I don't have anything wrong to say about these things, especially because I don't want any Brazilian mixed martial artist coming after me if I said something wrong about it. That would not end well for me. But the thing is, these are all good things. They're, they're biblical, right? Love, perseverance, thinking about others, but there's more to a legacy. Because if we only do these things, we're, we're going to miss the point. Eventually, all the good things we do will fade. But if we point people to Jesus, we're pointing them to a legacy that will never fade. And, and we're going to look at one of the times when Jesus was talking to his disciples in Matthew 16. If you're a note taker, we actually have started putting our notes on the YouVersion Bible app. If you use that app, you can, you can search our church, you can find the notes if you want to read along with us. But we're going to start here in Matthew chapter 16. 
verse 13. This is before the resurrection, before the crucifixion. We're going to get there, I promise. But let's start with a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. It says in verse 13, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus essentially is asking the disciples, what are people saying about me? How am I being perceived? What what is my legacy? And they replied by comparing him to other people like John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jeremiah. Those are all great people, right? John the Baptist, he he came proclaiming repentance and and water baptism. Elijah came and he, he brought great miracles, signs and wonders from God. Jeremiah spoke the words of God. These are great people that you and I, we'd feel completely honored to be compared to, right? But here's the issue with these comparisons. They are all understating Jesus. They gave him respect and honor for what he has done. But they're falling short in in honoring him for who he was as the Messiah and the Savior. And I wonder today, friends, if sometimes we underestimate, we undervalue the legacy of Jesus. I just want to make sure we all have the correct definition of Jesus because, yes, he was a messenger of repentance. Yes, he performed signs and wonders and healings and miracles. Yes, he spoke the words of God. But he also was the word of God. He is the only way to heaven. Being a good person will not get you there. Investing in the next generation won't get you there. Perseverance won't get you there. No worldly legacy will lead you to heaven except dependency on Jesus. I forgot to tell you before this message, the more you preach back to me, the faster this goes. I'm just letting you know. I hope you're with me on Resurrection Sunday. Because Jesus was both fully God and fully man. His legacy was not simply to point to the way to eternal life. His legacy was to be the way to eternal life. He is more than a good teacher and good concepts and a good philosophy. He was not just a prophet. He was the son of God. He gave us a legacy that transcends this life into eternity. If you look back at that passage, I think you'll find a reason I think you'll find a characteristic of what Jesus hoped his legacy would be for you and me. Read verse 13 again. Jesus asked the question, who do people say that the Son of Man is? I looked in over 60 times in the Synoptic Gospels. Jesus would call himself the Son of Man. I began to think, what is it about that title? Uh, is this an ego trip? Why is he talking to himself in the third person? It's actually the opposite. He was humbling himself as a servant. Jesus was identifying himself as a, as a humble servant to the people. As we look at three parts of the legacy of Jesus, we have to start here. Number one, the legacy of a humble king. It was in humility that Jesus came down to earth to make a way for us. 
all throughout his life, Jesus embodied servant leadership. He was never too big to serve people. How, how does that phrase go? If, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. Because Jesus never had a problem with serving the least, never ha- had a problem having time for the last. It's actually in the kingdom of heaven, the first will be last. The last will be first. The least will be greatest. Those who are serving others are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He would do any small task, like washing the disciples' feet. Jesus left a legacy founded in humility. It wasn't false humility. We all know what that's like, right? False humility. We want to do the right thing, but we're doing it for the wrong reason. Come on, like, yeah, I, I want to do this right thing, but also a little social media credit couldn't, couldn't hurt, right? Just to let them know, like, when, when people are complimenting us and we're like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Our, 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 our words are saying one thing, but our hands are saying another thing. That's what the Pharisees always did. They were doing the right thing, but for the wrong reason. They wanted to pray in public so everyone would see them. They wanted to fast in public so everyone would see the anguish and the pain they were going through. Jesus didn't care about those things. He's like, I'm getting away from all you people. I'm going to go pray to my father for a little bit, and I'll come back when I have the strength to continue with you. (laughs) That's how I perceive it sometimes. I I love this quote from Timothy Keller. He talks about religion. See, the, the Pharisees, they were proud of themselves. That's what religion does. Religion makes you proud of you. The gospel makes you proud of Jesus. That's what we need to be proud of. Jesus came to serve, not be served. Jesus came to give his attention, not gain the attention. Clap if you're thankful that you serve a humble king. He came, he said, who do people say that the son of man is? The humble king. The question that Jesus asked in that moment. And now with that information, I want want to fast forward towards the story of the death of Jesus, look at what two other people said about the legacy of Jesus. Right before Jesus' death in in Luke's account, this is one of the last people that Jesus interacted with before he completed the work on the cross. Look at Luke chapter 23, verse 40, I'm sorry, 39. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. There's two criminals that they were facing their death sentence the same as Jesus. And one is hurling abuse at Jesus. This one man, he is with his dying breath, he's speaking evil of Jesus. I looked at that word railed here. The Greek word is blasphemeo. It means blasphemy. He was speaking blasphemy. He was speaking evil of Jesus. One person on the brink of death speaking insults for Jesus. And another man saying, do you not have any fear of God? We're both about to die. And we're both guilty of what we've done. This this man's admitting he was guilty. He's not saying, I was up here falsely. This is a false accusation. He's like, I'm guilty. You're guilty. That man did nothing wrong. 
the man saw that Jesus was innocent and he asked him for mercy. He asked Jesus if he would remember him as he came into his kingdom. Our second point on the legacy of Jesus, it's the legacy of a merciful king. We serve a merciful king. Jesus responded with, today you will be with me in paradise. This man, he, he had no right to ask this. He had no right to believe this, that he would deserve heaven. He admitted that he was guilty, but he also confessed his belief in Jesus, that Jesus had lived a sinless life. And he asked him for the mercy of God. Church, we serve a merciful God. It is only because of his mercy and love that Jesus came to the earth, died on the cross. And it's because of his mercy that today, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what bad decisions, poor choices you've made, you can make a change and accept the mercy of Jesus. In fact, this criminal, yeah, praise God. Any person can receive this. And in fact, this criminal who was charged and was on the cross. I had never noticed this before, but if you look at Matthew and Mark's account of this story, it says that two men were ridiculing Jesus on the cross. Some people believe, I believe that this same man that acknowledged Jesus as Savior moments before was speaking evil against Jesus. And he had a moment on the cross realizing that this man was actually innocent Maybe it was because Jesus didn't respond to all the hate and the persecution. He took it, knowing he was taking it for all of humanity. Think about that. In one moment, the mercy of God could change a person's life, his eternal life, from hell to heaven. And you might say, Matt, that's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. And that's the mercy of God. Not giving us what we do deserve. And every single one of us should be thankful for that mercy. Because if it weren't for that, none of us would be headed to heaven. Thank you, God, for the mercy that he's given us. Amen. That a person could initially blaspheme God and the next moment thank him and praise him and ask for forgiveness. Let me show you from Lamentations 3.22. We should memorize this scripture right here. It's powerful. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Yes. Isn't the faithfulness of God great and strong and powerful Amen. that it would come after us? The love of God, it never ceases. His mercies never end. And we serve a merciful king that loves all. And that's why he sent Jesus. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his life. I'm just thinking of a practical way. I, I want my legacy to, to show a love for people, right? If I'm being more like Jesus, I want to love people. And in a practical way, I've tried to be more vocal about my love for people, just simply telling, especially the people that I'm close to, hey, I love you, thank you. I, I love you, man, because I have a hard time saying I love you sometimes. Like, hey, I love you, bro, to another guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just hard to do that sometimes. Love you, guys, bless you. You, you know what I'm saying? But I love you. I don't want to wait for a eulogy to tell people what I, how I felt about someone. I don't, I don't want to wait for a eulogy for people to know how much I cared for someone. I want to let them know in person, eye to eye. I've heard people say, oh, I don't need to tell him. He knows. Why don't you just make sure? Why don't you just vocalize it today and let the people around you know that you love them? The love of God. This man now who had spoken evil, he has now changed his heart because of a merciful king.
And in this moment, right after Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise, moments later, darkness comes over the earth. And let me show you what happens next in verse 44. It says, it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. The soldier here is witnessing the physical power of God. You see, the earth is responding to this, to this moment of darkness. There's abnormal darkness. The curtain of the temple is ripping in half. And the soldier sees all these things. And then Jesus dies on the cross and says he praises God. At first, I was like, wait, why? This sounds terrible. Why would you be praising God in this dark moment, in this agony? But it says he praised God for what he had seen. What he was looking at was the fact that the veil had been torn in two. You see, as long as God had dwelled among his people before this part, there had always been a mediator between God and his people. You and I, we couldn't just come to God like we can now. But what we saw was when Jesus died, the temple, the veil was torn in two so that we would have a personal relationship with our Savior. Our last point today is the legacy of a powerful king. Because the tearing of this veil was a symbol of the power of Jesus, that he could take away the sins of the world through his sacrifice. And not only did he defeat sin on that day, but then three days later, his power continued. I know we've been reading about the crucifixion. I'm about to get to the resurrection part now, okay? Here it is right here, verse 1 of Luke 24. It says, On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them, and dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. I love that question. There are some powerful questions in the Bible. Why do you seek the living among the dead? We had seen Jesus' power over sin through his death, and he broke the veil. But then on the third day, we also see Jesus' power over death itself in his resurrection. And we serve a powerful king, and because of his resurrection power, his life continues, and therefore his legacy continues. Bible clearly states that if Jesus did not raise from the dead, our faith would be useless. It, it, it would be fair at that point to compare him to a good teacher and a prophet and a philosopher. But that's not what happened. He was ro risen again on the third day. 
Look at what the angel said after that. They said, remember, he told you about this back in Galilee. It says, he, he let you know this was going to happen. He said, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And I thought, where was that passage? When did he remind them? When did he tell them that? It was back in Matthew 16 where we started today. Go back to Matthew 16. It says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And after that moment, you read on. Then Jesus, the first time he predicts his death, the first of three times in that chapter. And I think today that Jesus is asking us the same question. I know what the culture is saying about me. I know what society is saying about me. But who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? Am I just a good teacher? Was I just a good man? Or am I really the son of the living God? Am I really the Messiah? Am I who I say that I am? And I promise you, if you choose to believe that Jesus is a humble, merciful, powerful king, you will not be disappointed. He will not let you down. In fact, he will save you, he will change you, and he will make you new. Who do you say today that Jesus is? In a moment, Jesus changed a criminal on the cross to becoming a saint saved by God. Only the God that we serve can do this. And as we close, I want, I want to share a video, a testimony of the story of Larry and what Jesus did in his life in a moment. Let's show that clip. Brother and I, during that time, chose to live with my dad. And up until this point, I had not seen my dad use alcohol at all uh, growing up. And in my teenage years, he decided to pick up the bottle again. When he would uh, go to the bar after work, my brother and I began to experiment with alcohol. And it started out very innocent. Um, and that, that grew to a point where it started to become a problem. Late in my teen years, I began racing motocross and I knew that to be competitive that I could not use alcohol or any type of substance in any way. So I refrained from use for about a four year period uh, until age 22 and had a severe right ankle injury as a result of, of practicing for an upcoming race. Uh, that ultimately ended my racing career and I gave everything I have to the sport. Um, you know, money, time, commitment, travels. Um, I remember spending many hours in the garage at night working on a motor that I blew up the day before to go to a race the next day. I poured everything that I had in, into motocross and it was when it was taken away, I didn't know how to react to that. It taught, caught me totally off guard. Um, and then once I realized that I physically couldn't do it anymore, that's, that's when I felt lost. And at that point, I went back to what I knew, which, which was alcohol. And from age 22 to 32, I went on a 10-year uh, downslide of, of using alcohol. And the last two years of my usage were, were very bad. During that period, I, I was in a dark depression. Um, looking back, I, I knew God at the time, but I was very distant and backslidden uh, during that period of my life. And so, um, you know, I, I had to go back to what I knew, which was uh, go back to the well 
and initially I made many trips to the well uh, to, to be renewed and refreshed in, in God and in His Word. My sobriety date, recovery date, is September 18, 2005. I remember that very well. Uh, there, there was a point where the conviction was so strong that um, I felt like I felt like my insides were coming out. That's, that's the pain that I experienced during that time. And I was under such heavy conviction. And that night I believed that, that God cast a demon out of my, my body. He also removed the compulsion uh, for me to drink, totally lifted from my, my body, and also uh, broke and severed a generational curse that had been on my family back many generations. And, um, and then in my recovery, God has shown me that I have many other gifts. And, and music is one that I, that I went back to. We initially started out in a friend's basement just playing uh, various gospel songs for a long period and chose to uh, go out and visit senior assisted living facilities and retirement homes and that became a large part of our ministry. We do some churches as well but it's been uh, enjoyable for me and such a blessing to see our daughters grow in worship and grow in, grow in the ministry. I look back and, and I have been involved in worship for about 15 years and never, never did it cross my mind that I would be playing drums behind both of our daughters. It's been a huge blessing. The legacy that I wanna leave is that of servant leadership. And servant leadership is mentioned throughout the Bible. Jesus is the greatest servant leader and I go back to some of the scripture that talks about how he washed the disciples' feet. And that is the legacy that I wanna leave with, with my family and with those around me. Amen. I mean, can we stand to our feet and thank God for that testimony of what he's done in Larry's life and what God wants to do in your life. That story is not unique to just Larry. That story can be yours. A person changed by the power of God. And as we close this morning, I've got one last quote about what legacy can mean from Billy Graham. Read it with me on the screen. It says, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. Faith, trust, hope in Jesus Christ. The one who came and died for you and me and was raised up on the third day. As we close, if you're here and you've never accepted, you've never had a personal relationship with Jesus, yes, you can go to church. You can say all the right things, do all the right things, but if you've never invited him into your life, if you've never repented of your sin and your former past, you're missing, you're missing out, friends. I don't wanna just celebrate Easter with you, I wanna celebrate your resurrection. And so if you're here today, every, every head bowed, eye closed, eyes closed, if you have never accepted this gift of salvation, this is your morning that we can celebrate this change of life, you being made new. So if that's you today, and you wanna receive this gift of salvation, I'm gonna ask you, would you slip up your hand and say, today I'm dedicating myself to Jesus. Maybe you did this at one point, but it's a long time ago and you've fallen away and you say, today I'm returning to the Father. His arms are open wide, his heart reaches out to you. If that's you today, would you slip up your hand so we can celebrate and pray alongside of you? Amen, amen. It'd be worth it for just one person to celebrate with you. I'm gonna ask everyone if you would pray this prayer together with me. Repeat after me, say, God, I thank you for your son 
I thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for me so that I can live renewed. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I repent of my ways and I turn to you. I am made new through your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or it's been a long time since your relationship with God, you became disconnected, do not leave here today without telling me or someone nearby so we can celebrate alongside you. At this point, I'm going to ask the prayer team. I talked to a few people. If you would come up and just kind of be along this front area here. If you made that choice, we want to pray with you. But I also know you, you may say, Matt, I've made that decision before in my life. But even though we, we ask that, we, we invite Jesus into our life, that doesn't mean that everything's perfect, right? For the people in here that are saved, we know life is not perfect. And so if you need the mercy of God in your life, if you need the power that the legacy of Jesus provides for you, and you want someone to come in agreement with you in prayer, these people here are here to pray with you. Friends, we believe in church because you cannot do life on your own. You were not meant to walk this life on your own. We need one another. And so as the worship team leads us in a song, if you need prayer, please come forward and let this team pray with you today. Thank you for listening to today's message. The gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.